We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Ayo, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. We talked about it, I don't know, I felt like for weeks, like we finally got a game to talk about. I'm so, like I said, it was nice to just be able to watch. And I got to tell you, I don't want to be like king optimism here, but like I had, maybe it's my expectations, man. I just went in with very low expectations for this whole team. And I thought they competed pretty well, and I came away pretty impressed with Anthony Richardson. But you got a better view of Anthony Richardson than almost anybody else. You guys got to check out what he did on, on The Athletic. He did a minute-by-minute kind of TikTok of everything Anthony Richardson did. He was locked in on Anthony Richardson. You saw him, I think, in a way that nobody else did. So, one, what did you see yesterday? And two, what was that process like for you? Because I think it's kind of interesting for people to know how you kind of did it. Yeah, so for those who enjoyed watching the game and seeing everyone perform congratulations i did not watch everyone i watched one guy for i would literally say probably 90 percent of the day and the hard part jim was not really the game itself when he was playing it was the other stuff because in your mind you're trained to as a reporter look at other things and i'm like oh wait a second they just made a big play on defense what is anthony richardson's reaction and so you're like watching through the binoculars and looking at him waiting for something else to happen and then seeing his reaction and then realizing if you're following him, you know, how hard it is to keep up with him because he's an ant down there. He's a big dude, but like when he's in a sea of different jerseys, it's kind of hard to see him, you know, and then also there's no replay, you know, there's replay of the plays, but there's no replay of certain reactions to those plays. And so that was a difficult part, but I thought it was a very unique look, a lot of fun, honestly, and a way to see him in a way that isn't traditional. And also, the spotlight that is on that kid is incredible. It's in the story, but he was stretching out before the game, and there were three cameras probably within like three feet of him, and they're all trained on him. And that was pretty much the entire day. He's the only person on the Colts staff or Colts um, team that was treated that way. And in my mind, I'm like, that is a lot. You know, you can't do anything. I feel like you can't pick your nose without somebody telling you, hey, you got a boogie here or whatever. Like, it was – Pretty crazy, but also the humility that he displayed, the looseness, you know, interacting with fans, you know, uh, picking up his teammates. Even um, it was not this is not in the story, but after the crazy DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin touchdown tandem thing, he was, you know, jumping up and down, watching the Jumbotron. And then he goes over after that play and makes it a point to seek out Zaire, to seek out DeForest Buckner, daps him up, hugs him. And I'm like, wow, it's those little things where, you know, he's picking and choosing when to engage with his teammates, but also remain dialed in on the game plan. And he said it, you know, my emotions were, um, it's also not in the story, but I asked him about, you know, how do you navigate all this? He's like, man, my emotions were high and low and, you know, you're trying to keep it all straight throughout a game. And you could tell he was going through sort of that, that uh, metamorphosis and, and that experience. And, and I think it was something that's going to help him going forward. But to your point, Jim, I thought he played really well. I know that there was the back-breaking interception at the end, and, and to me, that basically sealed the game. Um, after that, you know, Jaguars go on and score, and the game feels out of reach at, at that point. But, I mean, up until then, he played pretty well and gave them a chance to win. And I can say confidently, he was not the reason they lost the game. I don't, You know, you can say, oh, he, he didn't win in the game. Yeah, because, you know, they lost, obviously. But I don't think he was the reason they were going to win. 
necessarily or and I don't think he's the reason they lost. I think that he was just pretty steady. He was sort of a game manager type, score when he was supposed to. And as we'll get into, it was a lot of it was very conservative. And then as also we'll get into, uh, a lot of it, you know, comes down to him not having a lot of help. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And maybe I'm not as high on some other guys or the rest of that team as I am on him, you know, this Monday morning. Yeah, so I, I think when I, when I was talking about optimistic, it, it, most of it stems from the, what I watched and saw out of Anthony Richardson and, frankly, what I saw from Shane Steichen in terms of the plan he had for Anthony Richardson, which was, again, very conservative, but in a way that I thought made a lot of sense, that you could see where it's going to expand and some of the things that they're going to want to do with him as he gets older and gets more experience, but they didn't overexpose him, right? They didn't ask him to do too much. And maybe toward the end, a little, uh, you know, and Richardson, I think was trying to put that S, you know, on his chest, right. And wear the Cape and, and, you know, like run guys over into the end zone. And it's hard not to root for that and root for a guy like that. But like also, you know, as Trevor Lawrence told him after the game, you got to protect yourself, man. So I didn't see many slides, Jim. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I think I took the under, right? So, yeah. I, <laughs> but I will say, yes, to your point, most of my optimism comes from Richardson. Few guys on the rest of the team, like sheer force of will, this defense might just be good because, or, you know, passable because DeForest Buckner and Zaire Franklin are just like making it so because they're just doing everything they can. And, and just a little shout outs to Grover Stewart too. And, and Shaq Leonard. I think they all played pretty well, but Anyway, I, like I said, most of my optimism comes from Anthony Richardson. And let's dive into that a little bit more. And like I said, I, I really encourage you guys to go read what James did on, on Anthony Richardson on The Athletic. No one did that. No one, you're not going to get that anywhere else. So I encourage you guys to, to, to check that out. But yeah, overall, your impressions on the, oh yeah, let's talk about the way Shane Steichen protected him. Kind of put the bubble wrap on him, at least. I, we were just talking right before the podcast started. If you look at his throw map from NFL's Next Gen Stats, which you guys can find on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. It was a lot of throws to the right, a lot of throws to the right, giving him only a half field to analyze and break down. And I think that's really smart. Again, I know it makes it a little easier on the defense. And I think the Jaguars probably took advantage of that at one point. Like, I think they started to understand pretty quickly what the Colts wanted to do. I think we saw those over the middle crossing routes and shallows from Josh Downs that seemed to disappear as the game went on. And Part of that's on Richardson. I think he missed a couple of them. But again, they were taking away some of those things. They took away some of the deep shots. We can talk about Alec Pierce later because he was hardly involved. But yeah, your impressions, I guess, of what the offensive plan was and what, like, taking advantage of Anthony Richardson's strengths and, again, limiting his exposure to, to an NFL defense for the first time. Yeah, I thought a lot of it was very conservative. A lot of stuff underneath. We didn't see any true deep shots. I know that he had one that, that was kind of you know, down the sideline to Molly Cox, which was, you know, kind of overthrown a bit and, and not really, in my opinion, a realistic dialed up deep shot, because if it is, you're not your deep shot guy is going to be Molly Cox. Right. So I thought it was um fine. There were times where I was like, man, is he being a little too conservative? But where I draw the line of my criticism of Shane Steichen's play calling is that it's easy to say that when you haven't seen what the alternative is. And, and I would assume they've seen more of that in practice, right? They probably unleashed him in practice and said, oh, maybe we're going to stay away from that. And so, and then also a part of it is also assessing how much he can handle, but I thought it was very conservative, but Anthony still made the most of what he had. And it came down to who was going to help him make a play. Like we mentioned, Josh Downs, he had a couple of nice grabs over the middle you know, for some yak, you know, and, and was able to, you know, get down, I believe, on the on the first big reception between the two was 22 yards, got him down in the red zone, which led to Richardson's first score, which was the, the running touchdown and the Superman jump spin spike, which is 
the most athletic thing that I probably saw yesterday that wasn't a play. That was insane, Jim. Just real quick, what what was your thoughts on seeing that? Love it. Do it again. Make that your thing. I as soon as as soon as I saw it, I was like, if that's your celebration, do it all the time. Do it every time. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I gotta ask him about that because I want to know. Like, is it spontaneous? Like, because part of me is jealous. I'm like, man, do, do, can you? Well, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, just think of things in your head, and you're like, you know what? I'm not even. Well, actually, not even thinking. You're just gonna do something naturally, and it's the most athletic thing you see on the field, which is crazy. But again, getting back to the point, I thought that the plays that obviously were bigger ones were ones that the guys helped him out. Michael Pittman Jr., who we get on sometimes for not being the fastest guy, catches a screen pass and takes it to the to the house and shows yeah, off the wheels and, and reminds us that he is, you know, pretty fast. And those plays to me were a way to get him comfortable. And even the passes were sort of like handoffs. It's, you know, hey, you know, quick look, quick screen, quick slant, those types of things where he's not holding on to the ball and forcing himself into making a a poor read. And then also like you said about his throwing map, the interception was to the left. And, and so, I mean, that that's something to keep in mind. And he said, oh, I thought I could, you know, beat the corner on that one. It was a little too flat. And then those are the type of plays where you try to avoid because he is, at least in the sample size that I've seen watching him in college, you know, obviously that, that first game yesterday, he's better going right because he's a right-handed player like, every, like most quarterbacks are. Most right-handed quarterbacks the exact same way. Exactly. I mean, we saw some of those throws from Trevor Lawrence yesterday. Those are the throws that, you know, make you a dude. You know, the right. one he ripped to Calvin Ridley for the first touchdown of the game. That was incredible. It was, you know, hey, back of the end zone, rolling left, just rip it. And then the one to Zay Jones was the same way. Now, Anthony Richardson has the arm strength, the arm talent to do those things eventually. But you're not going to see that, you know, from the from the start. So I thought, again, they were very conservative. It was smart to be that way. But then sometimes I was like, man, like, there was also this aggression, you know, to kind of go for it. And I thought it was pretty funny that, uh, you know, that fourth and one that Anthony Richardson tried, the push-tush doesn't really work the same in Indianapolis, you know? In your head, you're thinking, like, he's gigantic and strong. Like, they're going to get the fourth and ones easy every time. And maybe he still will. Maybe it was just kind of a blip on the radar. But you're right. Maybe And then, then I started thinking, like, well, Jalen Hurts is smaller, maybe harder to find. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I kind of just assumed he was going to get it, no problem. But, again, and you and I have harped on this, it helps when you have pro bowlers across your offensive line in Philadelphia. And I put Bernard Ryman down as one of the guys I thought was better than I expected him to be. So I'm not going to crush the offensive line. I will say I'm not going to crush the offensive line and pass protection in the run game. There's a long, 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 long way to go. Absolutely. <laughs> not just the running backs uh, that weren't good. And they weren't great. Deion Jackson had a nightmare game, but the offensive line did not help. And again, I think a lot of this, and I'll credit Zach Hicks for saying this. If you guys, I'm sure you all listen to know Zach Hicks. It's a whole new run scheme that Shane Sykin is implementing in Indianapolis. The offensive line is still learning it. They're still learning it together. It'll take some time and repetition before they feel good about it. And again, that's that's just one aspect of it. I think Shane Sykin is still learning how to in- incorporate some of the things Anthony Richardson likes doing, some of the pistol stuff. I actually thought he was pretty conservative on terms of just the design runs he called for Anthony Richardson. I think there were that many. I, I, I actually checked. He ran 10 times. They charted. It was four scrambles and six design runs. I think Richardson probably could have kept a few more of those, those RPOs taking advantage because I think the Jags started crashing down a lot. Yeah, I kind of thought it was interesting that they didn't really tap into a ton of that yet. Did you, I don't know, did you expect to see more? I expected to see more running. 37 pass attempts was, was pretty high, at least in my opinion. And, but, but at the same time, you look at the yardage from that, 
if you if you tell you know an average NFL fan, hey, this guy threw for over thirty times, you're like, oh, he probably had three hundred yards if he completed thirty passes. And so he had thirty seven completions. You know, was for two hundred and twenty three yards. So again, a lot of dinks and dunks, and to me, essentially handoffs and, and quick throws. I did expect to see more running, but part of it, I think, comes down to how comfortable they feel with him reading what to do. Because as we saw at the end, you know, he takes off for a run. And I believe that one was actually a design run. But I mean, even if it wasn't, he, I have to go back and like watch it again. I'm, I'm like blank and I have so many plays in my head. But I know the, the play he got dinged up on at the end was one where they probably wish, you know, they had it back. And, and, and it was like, okay, is it really worth it to try to go, like you said, and put the S on your chest and go to get to the end zone? And the kryptonite to S's on your chest in the NFL is hits to the knee. Hits to the lower body. Repeated and, and, hits to the lower body. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, he said it's nothing. It's going to be a little bruise and might be on the injury report this week. I mean, from what he said, from what Shane Steichen said, I wouldn't expect this guy to miss a game or anything like that. Um, knock on some wood, I guess, if you're a Colts fan. But if he does get into having more carries, he has to be more like a Jalen Hurts where you're really, really smart about when to fold him. Rick Venturi talked about that when I talked to him this summer about Anthony Richardson. He was telling me all the things he likes about the kid, but he was like, when you're an athlete, and this is a guy who's been around the game for you know 50 plus years. He was like, when you're an athlete as gifted as him, you think you can do everything because in certain instances you can. However, it comes with a cost. He was like, so you got to know when to fold him. And so that's something I think that he's still learning. And as he learns that, then they'll probably feel more comfortable giving him more, you know, runs because I mean, Trevor Lawrence, had a few rushes as well and seven for, you know, 21 yards. It wasn't, you know, fantastic in an 11 yard run, but a lot of them were chain movers. And then also he was able to slide, which we haven't seen from Richardson yet. Protect yourself. Exactly. And, and obviously he couldn't slide like that last one where he got dinged up. That was a weird play. You're in the middle of the field. You're trying to get to the, to the end zone and you're lunging and, and you don't have the room to slide, but there were some runs where he, you know, like the one where he he mentioned it earlier, and I, I guess this is the point we can kind of get into. He uh he said like obviously the hit in at the knee hurt at the end, but he mentioned that he kind of messed it up on that very first designed run for twelve yards, and ding ding ding, he didn't slide after he got the first down. He kind of just kept running, and then someone dragged him down from behind awkwardly, and he got up kind of gimpy, and he stayed in the game, didn't really affect him. At least I don't think so throughout the game. But again, those are the instances where they're probably like, that's why we want to give him, you know, 15 carries just yet. He's just got to realize, and he will. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but he's just got to realize that he's playing in, in the NFL now. Yeah, he mentioned that. He mentioned that. The number one pick on that side of the ball, Trayvon Walker from two years ago, runs almost as fast as he does. You know what I mean? So like, it's <laughs> you think you're getting to the edge and you're about to go out of bounds, no problem. No, that guy's catching you from behind. There are athletes everywhere. And again, he is the upper echelon of athlete, but these guys are not that far behind him. And so he'll learn it'll take time, but they're hard lessons learned. Zach Kiefer wrote a really good column uh, on the, on the game. And that's kind of what he talked about, which is that this game kind of looked like it was supposed to look, which is good, but there are going to be a lot of hard lessons learned throughout the season for Anthony Richardson. And one of them is you got to protect yourself. And again, big respect for, for Trevor Lawrence. Again, yeah. I, I maybe it was more just, maybe it was just more off the cuff, but it seemed like there was genuine concern and care there when he was saying like, Hey man, like, you're going to be great, but protect yourself. Like he's talked about Anthony Richardson. I mean, has talked about his two idols in this league were, you know, Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson, both guys who have dealt with a lot of injuries and, you know, one's out of the league because of it. And yeah, I mean, like I said, they, those are, those are guys that had a lot of design runs were incredible at their peaks. And I'm not writing off Lamar, but definitely, you know, had to take some time away because of all the hit, the shots they were taking. So again, to your point, 
first game, I'm not going to knock him too much, man. Like it's your first game. You're, you're just like adrenaline's pumping. I, I can't imagine what it's like to have to go through that. And you do probably feel like Superman for a little while there. So we'll see again. It's about these incremental steps that he's going to take the next few weeks. And I talked about it with Zach who, you know, made a cameo yesterday for those uh, wondering why we brought him up. Wrote a column. He was also there for some Jags things to so look out for what he has coming next. You know, he's our fancy new features writer. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's my guy. It was good to see him again. But one of the things we did talk about was how when you're a quarterback like him, he can't act like some of the defensive leaders or defensive rookies where you're hyped up all the time or you're revved up or you're, you know, slapping hands and doing all this raw, raw talk. Now, I'm not saying the defense doesn't go over like schemes and stuff. But it is a lot more conservative on the offensive side of the ball with a quarterback. I mean, you make a big play after about 30 seconds of celebrating on the sideline, high five, you're back sitting down next to someone going over the film. And so I think that's part of it, too, is you just can't allow yourself to get as high or as, you know, as emotional as some guys you see around you. Um, for example, you know, you see Shaq, he makes his first tackle since being bad, he's up the crowd. You can't be a quarterback in the NFL, make a big throw, and then get, get go do like this to the crowd and hype them up. Like It just doesn't work the same on offense as it does with defense. A lot of it is trying to remain in the middle, and that's very hard to do. Easier said than done when you're not a 21-year-old living out your dream, feeling like you're playing well to start, having a bad interception late, and then dealing with all of the weight of that. And so I thought that he handled it well, especially in postgame, owned everything. I mean, even the – the uh, when we asked him about being one for five on fourth downs, which was an issue, and also this had to be the most fourth down failed conversions between two teams that I've seen between two I've, teams, yeah. I mean, but also, Jim, it wasn't like they were going like some of them were questionable, but it wasn't like an, an egregious fourth down attempt. It was just so weird. I'm like, I'm like, wow, both teams keep getting fourth and one at like the 40. Not a great day for the analytical community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, all, you're gonna get my dad riled up, but yes, I thought that again. <laughs> Um, it, 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 it was solid and, 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 but he owned it. He was like, Hey, we're one for five on fourth down. We're two for 12 on third down. And I have to be better. He's not saying we most of the, he's like, I got to be better. I got to help my teammates. And I'm like, wow, this is the dude who, you know, he wouldn't do it even though I will. He didn't have help real quick before we go. I will say, I thought on the interception, I don't think he got fooled by, cause I, you know, Tyson Campbell actually talked later. He talked to uh, the athletic Jeff Howe, talked to him about the play. He said he baited him, and I think he did bait him because I think he, but I don't think that he didn't see Tyson Campbell. I think he thought he could layer the ball over him. That's what he said. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, so again, for me, totally fine with that mistake. Like it's a little more concerning if you just didn't see him and you threw it right into him. But I think he saw him and said, I could fit it. And it didn't happen. So again, trying to make a play. I think from Richardson, he said, and I'm paraphrasing him, but I was there. He said that he knew the DB was there and they were trying to go away from, you know, him basically all day. Yeah, he thought he could layer. Yeah, he said, yeah. you know, we knew, you know, that that was a guy and we tried to avoid him. We said, but I thought I could beat him with just a better throw. And the throw was too flat. He said it was too flat. And, and obviously it was because it was one of the easier um, interceptions that a guy can have because it came right to him, basically. So, um, you know, not an ideal play. He stood there kind of frozen for a second, like kind of realizing probably that the game was slipping away from him at that point because it, it all kind of been set up to, all right, you know, you're down three, five minutes to go. Do you go down there? Do you tie the game? Do you score and win it? And you have the storybook ending to your first rookie game. And 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 then it ends with, oh, wow, this is the NFL. It's very hard to win. And every little thing matters. So that was one that I definitely paid attention to his reaction to that. And also when he came back to the sideline, a lot of his teammates, I mean, 
You got a long snapper, Luke Rhodes, you know, patting him on the chest. You got Tony Brown, the DB, patting him on the chest. After the game, you know, uh, when he's watching from the sideline, kind of mad that he's not in there when Gardner Minshew's in there, Quentin Nelson is coming over, you know, and, and telling him to pick his head up. And so I thought that just the variety of the teammates who sought him out, not just the coaching staff, was really cool. And it kind of shows you how much, um, he, you know, he means to that locker room and how much those guys respect him. Because, I mean, DeForest Buckner, highest character dude. He is one of the team captains, but he referred to Anthony Richardson as the captain. And I was like, wow, okay, like that, that that means something coming from a guy who is, again, very high character, very good player in his own right, dominated yesterday, but he's tipping his cap to the 21-year-old who, again, didn't play perfect, but gave them a chance. And I think that's what, you know, ultimately all the guys are saying is we have a chance with this guy, and that is exciting for the Colts. They have a chance for, you know, obviously to win some games here, but also big picture-wise to be better to have a a real guy that changes the landscape of the field. Because, I mean, even with Trevor Lawrence yesterday, he didn't have his best stuff, but he was good, you know, in certain moments, really good in certain moments, and helped him win. It mattered. So I also helped some Travis Etienne rips off a 26-yard touchdown run to kind of ice the game. So running backs still matter. I was just about to say, quick aside, I forgot how explosive that guy was. Holy cow. What the difference is to me, again, you know, we're all, we talk about running back value and we talk about, like, you know, whether worth it or not. And these guys, you know, you can find a guy in the fifth round, all that stuff, fine. But it is very nice to have when your line blocks for four yards and your running back picks up four yards, that's great. But when your line blocks for four yards and you're running back and spring it for 20, that is what elevates your team. And that is what makes life a lot easier for a quarterback. And that is what Deion Jackson cannot do. And I don't think Zach Moss is that guy. I don't think Evan Hole is that guy, but we haven't seen enough of him to make that judgment call be my would be what I would say. So yeah, missing Jonathan Taylor for sure. Now I will say I don't think the line blocked well enough that Jonathan Taylor would have been a huge difference yesterday, but he certainly would have. He certainly would have helped. Yeah, I think part of it also is just the the fear factor of having him back there. What do you have to fear as a defense? You know, whether offense is blocked. I mean, you have nothing to fear, and I do think that JT would struggle with that offensive line. But that goes back to the whole. You know, we only won four games last year, so that's why we're not giving out extensions and whatever else. Not true. I mean, they, they, hey, they yeah, Luke, Luke Rose got the bag, the record-setting long snapper bag, which obviously is Four the wins, exact baby. same as paying a running back, you know, top market value. So I don't see what the difference is between the two, quite frankly. But no, being sarcastic for those listening, just to make it clear. But again, I think that a lot of that had to do with, you know, we know what they have back there, and it's not that dude. It's not that guy. And so maybe that does make you a little more more aggressive. Now, I thought that they definitely won up front. The Jaguars did. But at the same time, you can't tell me that it, it was going to be, like, the same with JT. There's no way. I mean, there was a couple of runs where, you know, I, I believe, you know, Evan Hull actually broke one for, like, seven yards before he went down with an injury and left the game. Even Deion Jackson had a seven-yard run. And you just wonder, could any of these be that 20-yard run, that home run run? Because that's what JT offers you that other running backs just don't, not only on this team, but just in the NFL in general. When he's fully healthy, top speed JT is like gone. You know, one one cut and I'm gone. And so that that was definitely something to keep in mind. And it was funny to kind of see some of the comments and reaction because for the past few weeks it was, oh, you know, the Colts are going to be fine without JT. They can just scheme up the yards. They come out and have a horrible rushing effort, 65 yards and 26 attempts, and oh, you know, 40 okay. came from your quarterback. 
So if we take those away, I mean, you got 25 yards from your running backs. I guarantee you Shane Sykes did not enter the game wanting to do that with Anthony Richardson. No, I just, but he just realized we can't do anything with this. And so we'll see if the offensive line can pick up. Like you said, they're learning a new scheme, but it is concerning that both the running backs and, I mean, outside of Michael Pittman Jr., the skill position players did not help. I mean, it was tough sledding for a lot of these guys. I thought Kylan Granson showed up and, and made some plays. I thought that Josh Downs made some plays. Obviously, Pittman had a big day with eight catches for 97 yards, and he's telling everybody, pay me. Um, Drew Ogletree, unfortunately, had a big catch, got hurt. But the guy we, we got to talk about is Alec Pierce. I'm setting you up, but he was on the field for 91.3% of the plays, just about every offensive snap, and he was targeted three times. And the targets that I can remember, not a lot of separation, not a lot of, not a lot of reason or compelling reason to be throwing his way. I continue to be concerned about Alec Pierce, not beyond the drops. That said, he is supposed to be this team's deep ball specialist. They didn't throw him, and the Jaguars apparently, according to Shane Steichen, did a good job of taking those away. So maybe you see Alec Pierce more involved in a game where you know the defense they're playing is a little more aggressive, and he gets some one-on-one matchups. They can throw some jump balls to him. I'm trying to keep the light on for the guy here, man, but I, I'm, I'm getting worried. I think it's twofold. Obviously, he's been struggling throughout the preseason, throughout this first game. He doesn't look like a second-round pick or a guy that's taking a step forward. And the reason why I enjoy the regular season is because now we know we have something to analyze. I'm not saying I'm going to judge Alec off one game for the entire year, but to me, we have real, you know, substance, real data, real games to look at going forward. And it's no more that, oh, it's preseason. It's vanilla. We're not doing anything. It wasn't vanilla yesterday. They tried their best to win. I don't think anybody went out there with the intention of, oh, it doesn't really matter if we're going to lose. And he still only had one catch for five yards. And it was like right before the half and really didn't even matter. It, you know, it wasn't like a, a catch that moved the chains or kept the drive alive. It was kind of just, oh, they, hey, there's Alec Pierce. And, you know, I had, uh, <laughs> she's going to laugh about this, but I had Alexa Ross right behind me when I wrote this note down. I was in a play-by-play and minute-by-minute. And I think my sentence I had was, Anthony Richardson completes first in-game pass to Pierce ever. And she just laughed. And I was like, you know, and it kind of came off kind of harsh, but that's what it was. And and that's kind of, you know, concerning that, again, a guy who's supposed to be your number two doesn't really look like it. And it's kind of a non-factor. So we'll see if he picks up. Um, I think a lot of that obviously has to do with the cover two they're playing. They're trying to make you, you know, beat them underneath. But that's where I'm like, okay, well, where's all this route running, this expanded route tree? Where And then where is, you know, I get it, Shane, they're going to play like this the entire year. I'm not judging him as far as, you know, being a play caller. I could never do that. And for people who yell at people, oh, the offense play caller. I could tell you right now, I never know how bad or good the play calling is because I'm just not in that realm. Like, I, I have no. People don't I understand think, how hard it is. It has to be extremely anyway. hard, Jim. Like, I mean, oh, my gosh, I can never imagine. But if teams are going to play you like that and force Richardson to beat you underneath, you as a coach have to find a way to make sure that even if you still have to, you know, take some shots underneath, you do it with Alec Pierce being more involved or finding a way to move him around or do something because, I mean, that was that was rough. And, again, if that's going to be the case all year, it's going to be very hard to win a game where you go into the game, no JT, and then the other team knows, oh, Pittman's his only real you know target. The rest of these guys will live with it, but eh, as long as we don't let that guy explode, we'll be fine. 
you're right. It's one week. I'm trying not to write off anybody based on one game, but I keep thinking in a few weeks, we'll be talking about Josh Downs as the number two target. He had seven targets. He, he, he played well. I thought he found room in the middle of the field. He didn't take any big hits, which I, again, I, you and I have talked about if he has a, a knack for being able to avoid those for the most part. I talk to Richardson, man. He's got to, you know, give him the, the, the trade. <laughs> well, I think if Josh Downs would, would, would trade for the, some of that size that Anthony Richardson has, but uh, <laughs> No, he finished three for 30 on seven targets. I mean, he clearly was a favorite. Kylan Granson was four for 39 on six targets. Like, I don't want to make insinuations that aren't true. I'm just doing what the stats are telling me. And the stats are telling me those guys are in targets. And Alec Pierce kind of didn't. Just wasn't really there to be found. And we can mention also Mo Ali Cox, two targets, you know, no receptions. He's someone where I'm very curious to see how he fits into it. Because, you know, Drew Ogletree got the start yesterday. Kylan Granson played pretty well, I thought. He feels like, you know, kind of that odd man out to me. And I think that that might be the case if Jelani Woods gets back fully healthy because, you know, if Moe's not going to offer you a lot of blocking, in which he he says is one of his strengths, I mean, he's not going to be that, you know, like I say, they threw a, a fall down the field to him on the sideline. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really going to be your your deep threat guy. And then also the, the second target was the interception, which – Again, I mean, you, you trust your player, you trust the guys you have out there, but, you know, do you want that to be your go-to guy in a crucial situation? I don't know. By the way, because Mo and uh, Michael Pittman were like, what, five yards apart running the exact same route, or at least like very similar routes? I'm not quite sure what happened there. I'd have to like watch it again. That was a bit of a unique play. And I, again, am I going to pretend like I know what the play call was? But maybe we'll get an answer from Shane Steichen later today when we can say, you know, hey, you did watch the tape now. So what's going on? What's <laughs> happening? That's, that's his response for a lot of things. And, you know, I'm just uh, joking a little bit. But seriously, he says that a lot. And maybe we'll have more information to kind of put out there after we talk to him later today. But, again, I think that uh, Richardson showed up. Pittman showed up. Pierce, not so much. You're still searching for something that gives you a lot of hope for what he has to offer. We'll talk to Reggie Wayne later this week because they have the assistant coaches available. We'll talk to um, DeAndre Smith as well to talk to, the, the, talk to him about the running back game and kind of yeah. get some analysis on both of those fronts. But that game felt like we didn't give our rookie quarterback enough to work with. And that's what it felt like. I mean, he, he's Superman, looks like it, but he can't be that, at least not right now. And even if you know that was the case, it's hard to win even when you have a player that can lift you up and mask a lot of things like that for – a long time so um you know we're I'm looking down the line a little bit but for one game yeah that was not a, you know a, a shining moment for alec pierce real fast before we get out of here because we didn't get a chance to talk much defense i just want you to you had to watch you didn't get to watch a lot of defense because i know you were studying anthony richardson but quick shout out real quick i'll let you pick buckner or zaire franklin 30 seconds go <laughs> i gotta go or zaire both. you know I, i'll go both i'll go both obviously deforest buckner reaching for the pylon very athletic play, you know, and so that was Smart really play. cool. And everyone's like, is that his first touchdown? It was his second. He had one on Monday night a few years ago with the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, when you're a defensive player, you don't you don't forget any touchdowns. You know, if you ask a guy like Reggie Wayne, for example, who I believe has 80-plus touchdowns in the career, do you remember every single one of them? Probably not. He's in the end zone a lot. But DeForest Buckner, not a guy who's, you know, a big part of the offensive game plan. Um, getting on the board was pretty impressive. But the most impressive thing about that play in general – was Zaire Franklin causing a fumble after the fumble? Because we were all in the press box. I'm like, that's a live ball. And you see it all the time. Most of the time, NFL players will 
you know, dive on the ball. And you're like, oh, you're being dramatic. Like the ball obviously wasn't, you know, wasn't a fumble, but like, they do it anyways. And like, that's the one time where it didn't look like it was a clean throwaway or incomplete pass. And the, and, and also the, the ironic part about it, Jim, was the ball bounced around, but it never, it wasn't a situation where Tank Bigsby, the, the Jaguars running back, recovered it while he was on the ground. Because if he recovers it while he's on the ground and he just gets up, someone had already touched him. Oh, he's already, he's already down. He like he, got, he some kind of way he ended up with the ball, but he was standing up. And the ball kind of bounded near him. He kind of just like threw a hand at it, and he happened to just grab it. It was kind of random that it even bounced into his arm. Exactly. He didn't like want it. And he's yeah. standing up, and he's just kind of standing there. And Zaire Franklin, being the bully that he is, comes in and just punches the ball out. And I everyone know. kind of like, and you could tell of all the players who had stopped playing, Zaire was one of maybe like three that kind of knew that the, the game was still going on because I saw Quiddy Pay standing around. And then it's like, oh, wait, that the play's not over. No, no one heard a whistle. And so, uh, yeah, it went from being a, you know, oh, okay, Trevor Lawrence avoided a fumble or whatever, incomplete pass to, oh, wait, that was a fumble. Let's cause another fumble and get into the end zone. So that play was crazy. Zaire tweeted this morning that he had to uh, take a drug test, which was not surprising after, I mean, 18 touch, I mean, not touchdowns, 18 tackles, career high for him, career high, 10 solo tackles. Forced fumble, pass defensed. He looked like the best linebacker the Colts have right now. And that's saying something, obviously, with a guy like Shaq Leonard returning and looking really good, I thought, in his return. He was flying around. He had a tackle for loss, hyping the crowd up. And, man, Jim, we could talk about, you know, the mistakes that were made, the loss, opening 0-1, not winning a you know season opener since 2013, 10 years ago. But that front seven looked pretty good. I thought that they had, you know, some moments. And DeForest Buckner for crying out loud, is a really, really good player. Oh, my gosh. He dominated, and I felt like that kind of just permeated throughout that defense, you know, with him and Zaire leading the way. Like I said, Shaq bouncing back, you know, EJ Speed. Shout out to EJ Speed, who continues to force the Colts' hands to find a way to get him on the field because he forced the fumble that just barely – you know, went out of bounds, and he had a couple of big plays, a fourth down stop, I believe. I mean, he was a he was balling. So expect more of that. I thought the defensive backs did okay yesterday. They obviously got picked on a little bit. Um, some of it was just, hey, this guy's just a really good quarterback, and I put it to a spot that's really tough. The Zay Flowers touchdown, I believe, on Daryl Baker Jr. was just hard. I mean, he put it in nowhere else anybody could get it, and you're defending it really well, and it's just, you know, they, they made a play. So that touchdown, that was fun. And then seeing Anthony's reaction, you talk about my eyes were on him. He was like, you know, getting up and then like waiting. And then when they viewed on the Jumbotron and, and, and like cleared it, that was one of the few moments where you could see him like sort of act like a kid, you know, outside of the touchdowns and things like that. He probably celebrated that play as much as he celebrated his own. And I thought that that was really cool. And, and that's something that brings the team together because he's not selfish in that sense. He was really hyped up and he made it a point not to just clap and scream. He went over there to congratulate, you know, DeForest Buckner, to congratulate Zaire Franklin. And that was a theme throughout the entire game where he was making sure, you know, good or bad, he was communicating with his teammates. I mean, after that touchdown to Pittman, he runs down there. I get hyped up with Pittman. But then after the, afterward, he went and dapped up every single offensive lineman, all of his coaches, a few, all of the wide receivers before sitting down and, like, look at the, some more film. And I thought that was, again, just the little things that he does – that seemed to come naturally because you can tell when it's forced. You can tell when guys don't really bought in, buy into whoever, you know, their quote unquote leader is, but it seems like he has those guys bought in and, you know, he doesn't like any confidence. That's for sure. Because that suit with no pants was, 
a nice touch gem. Is that gonna be in your spring collection? You know, twenty. Oh yeah, I I can obviously pull that off. Absolutely. No, <laughs> I, mean, I doubt thought about it was it. phenomenal. I thought it looked, I was like, I thought it looked great. I I also cannot pull it off, so I will not try. But yes, he did. He looked good. He looked good. There's no denying that. When you got thighs like that, I think him and Saquon exactly. Barkley and others, exactly. like you can kind of just get away with what you want and then get away with wearing what you want. And also the funny thing about it is who's going to tell him otherwise? I mean, not that he would ever like, you know, get to the point of like being physical or violent or whatever, but I'm just like, if he walks down the street and he's not playing any football at all and he's just a grown man walking down the street and he, he, he wears that, no one's going to say a thing because he's 6'4", 250. And you, when you look like that, you get to wear what you want. But I think overall it was, it was fun, Jim, and, and, and a lot of – uh, positives for that team. And, and, and I, I mean, I enjoyed it. And I, I think, you know, that just comes with the job. I think every game I cover, I, I pretty much enjoy them except for last year in Denver, which was painful. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's something that is a feeling that a lot of us have, whether you're in the media, whether you're a fan, whether you're the coaching staff, you feel good. You probably feel better about where Anthony Richardson is today than you did, you know, going into yesterday because he showed you, at least for the most part, he can handle it. It wasn't against some vanilla defense, some, you know, team that hasn't won. That was a pretty good team. Went toe-to-toe, gave us him a chance, led in the fourth quarter, and, you know, slipped away. But he kind of smiled to me, and I talked to him about it, and he was like, you know, we're right there. And and you could tell he he's motivated to, to get over the top. And he said it himself, you know, we didn't win, so I didn't do enough. And he liked that mentality. But I'm saying, as the quote-unquote objective beat reporter, get him some help. You know, because he did do enough. The rest of these guys, you know, didn't really do enough. Now, he could have been better. Obviously, no interception changes the game. But, I mean, you can't ask for, for much more from a guy who, again, did not play a lot. Now, if he had played a ton in college, maybe I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. But, like, he didn't play a lot. He hasn't played a lot in his life, honestly. So, yeah, that's it's been pretty cool. I've been checking out the Netflix series on Tubi from high school, Anthony Richardson. I would highly recommend it, Jim. Check it out. It's funny seeing him back then and then seeing him now and i'm like wow like that was only like four years ago yeah i was that long totally different long hair you know got more muscle mass things like that but yeah man superman put on his cape yesterday didn't get the job done had a little bit of kryptonite but we'll see what happens in week two against houston which again is a more opponent on the same playing field so to speak both rebuilding both you know young quarterbacks both kind of go, go through their growing pains and we'll see what happens and to me that's going to be the test of like how many wins they get this year. Cause if they cannot go winless against the, the Texans and expect to have, you know, more than, I don't think four, four or five wins this year. So we'll see. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say next week is if you're expecting them to get to four five, six wins, whatever it is, you got to get one of these games against Houston. But as you said, it'll be a good measuring stick game to compare him and CJ Stroud, number three pick, number two pick, number two pick. Sorry about that. They took Will Anderson three. Anyway, the defense is pretty decent, so it should be a good game and a good matchup for the Colts. But we will talk more about that soon. James will write plenty about it as we uh, as we get coming up here. But until that point, thank you for joining us. Go check out The Athletic. Go check out what he's read already. I highly encourage it again. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Upper Quartile Podcast. Talk to you later.